Hello and welcome to Two Old Guys on the Back Porch. I am Steve Scotch, and we have the lovely and talented Cat. That's C-A-T, playing it cool. Cat, what's happening? Hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all your premier podcast platforms. Uh, we have two shout-outs today. One is Taswell, Virginia. Uh, Taswell is on the Appalachian Plateau section of Virginia. Early Taswell once advertised as a small town in the United States with an electric streetcar. Our other town is Anaconda, Montana. For many Montanans, Anaconda is a symbol of the state's raucous history of copper melting, labor strife, environmental struggles, uh, political upheaval. Giving y'all a big round of applause. Alcohol is a mainstay here on the back porch. I don't know who came up with the six-pack. Why six? You know, sometimes six won't do. Today, I'm having, I think, my third of maybe six pints of Switchback Ale brewed in Burlington, Vermont by the Switchback Brewing Company. It's very tasty. Kat, what you got? I have a lovely uh, peach martini. Uh, simply just came out with a whole new peach juice you can make some martinis with. Mm. Just trying to remember the last days of summer here. Sounds sweet like you, babe. Thanks, doll. All right, today we're going to take in the sights and sounds of Lollapalooza. Actually, we've never been. Uh, Lollapalooza started in 1991, which is when me and Kat started. Um, started by Perry Farrell. 32 years, baby. Ooh. Perry Farrell. Mm-hmm. Not Farrell. Like a cat. Like a pig. Lead singer of, of course, Jane's Addiction, who I've actually seen. Just throwing that out there. Lollapalooza has been around, like Kat said, 32 years now. Damn, that does kind of make me and the wifey feel a little old. There was a hiccup there, I think, like late, late 90s, and uh, then it started up again early 2000s. Anyway, just one of the largest musical festivals in the world. Now, let's remember, when Perry started this thing, it was alternative, right? It was like a traveling circus. Not only musical acts, there were performers, the Jim Rose Freak Show. Check that out on the uh, interwebby. That's kind of a trip. Artists there selling their art, political groups, environmental groups. You know, promoting counterculture. Like an alternative collective there, right? All kinds of stuff going on. Then, in 1996, something strange happened. Uh, They booked Metallica. And the whole vibe of the thing changed because Metallica fans sometimes can't stay in their lane. And they kind of ruined the whole thing for everybody. And that's kind of where I'm going. All right, this awesome alternative traveling freak show is now a massive corporate stationary event. 
planted at Grant Park in Chicago. Cha-ching. I think for like the next 10 years it's there. Right. And now they kind of have a lineup of crappy artists who have crappy videos on MTV. So way to cave, Perry. I pulled up the website, you know, to do some research because, as you all know, how hard I work. What do you mean? Podcasts. You feel like they've lost their credentials here? Well, the first thing that popped up on the website for Lollapalooza this year was 32 ads for 32 companies. North Face, Dunkin' Donuts, nothing against none of these people. Dunkin' Donut, Yeti, Jack Daniels, the worst bourbon ever. T-Mobile, the worst cell service ever. All this shit popped up on the screen. Now, if you know, you know, kind of know me and the wifey by now, two old guys on the back porch and Lollapalooza is, a, is it's come a long way from the butthole surfers and Susie and the Banshees who played the first Lollapalooza in 91. Bands me and the wife you'll listen to. But what we had to offer the first night this year, the headliners were Carol G and Billie Eilish. Now, again, we're two old guys on the back porch. Cat might like Billie Eilish. I don't know Eilish, Eilish, whatever her name is. You've got to be kidding, okay? I'm not going to rant on about my displeasure of everything that comes from her camp. Just listen to the song she did for the 007 movie a couple years ago. Listen to that thing. She got an award for it, by the way. But that is one piece of horrible music. Second I mean, night... You think, you think sometimes that she's just being an artiste, but it's, some of the stuff is very calculated. I can't... It's, it's nails on a chalkboard. Second night headliners... Now we're getting somewhere. We had Kendrick Lamar in the 1975. That was awesome. Third night, however, we had Odessa, whatever that is, and some freaking K-pop bands. Okay? <laughs> that, that was a lot of, Now, the last night, Sunday, after everybody's wasted and tired, it was the old folks show. The Chili Peppers came out, and Lana Del Rey who rolled out there whenever the hell she felt like it. I don't know. I like her, but Lana's kind of losing her way here lately. No, where was, Lala... was that the one? It took her forever to get out there. She had to do her hair. Her seven hair. So then they me. took some of her time away. They yanked the her when it was time to yank. Time to go, girl. But where Lollapalooza started and where it is now, it's just worlds apart. But give it up to Perry Farrell. The freak that he is, I mean, for starting with nothing and making something massive, right? He's taken Lollapalooza all over the world. It's been in Brazil, Chile, Argentina, Germany, Sweden, all over the place. And the ticket prices have always been affordable. Uh, when the thing started, it was like 35 bucks all day pass. Now it's like, I think, 300 to go, which is not bad. But the word Lollapalooza, Perry came up with this thing. He heard it on a Three Stooges movie, okay? If you don't know who the Three Stooges are, we do. We do. Anyway, 
And the word actually means an extraordinary or unusual thing, person or event. And that's kind of what Lollapalooza has definitely <laughs> been that. All right. We're gonna... Okay. Okay. One more thing. Okay. There's a lot of drug use at this thing. No. Are people planning on drug use? The statistics last, last year, 2022, 64% plan to use marijuana. 41% plan to use cocaine. LSD, 37%, 37%, um, MDMA, which I guess is Molly, 37, and 37 plan to do mushrooms. Yay, let's trip. I mean, they had, there's a band I like always. They got jammed in between uh, the Happy Fits and Michelle, whoever she is. And everybody's made this fuss about this, this thing called New Jeans. Right. Another K-pop group, I think, consisting of like underage girls being exploited by a management group. I, again, I, I checked out the whole lineup. It seems like uh, any band with integrity is kind of staying the hell away from this thing. There's no Killers, no Pixies, no Kings of Leon, no I mean, Queen of the Stone Age. N- none of the old school punk bands. I, I don't get it. We are, watched some of it on YouTube, remember? Right. And it was a mess. I'm wondering if it's like um, the thing down at Virginia Beach where they just had a whole lot of different stuff and they're just throwing it up against the wall to see what sticks and who shows up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's festivals everywhere, and Lollapalooza has always been you know, at the head of the class, but that thing's going down the tank. All right, so we're going to roll into one tough son of a bitch. And this joker was... Football season has kicked off, and the wifey's a Commanders fan, so we'll give it a go. Oh, and by the way, they're never going back to Redskins. Sorry, guys. Jim Marshall, 85 years old, from Danville, not Virginia, Kentucky. Defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings for 18 years. If you were back in in the day watching football, then you know who Jim was. He was a bad man. He actually left high school his junior year and played Canadian football. Uh, played in the Canadian Football League. Played the um, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Was it? Yep. I didn't know he played one season for the Browns and then was traded, but that's what Cleveland does. <laughs> traded, Loves a good trade. Traded him to the Vikings. Back in the day, the Vikings had one of the best defensive front fours ever assembled they were called the purple people eaters right yeah jim alan page was a bad dude gary larson and carl eller was also all four of those dudes were badasses um how jim marshall is not in the football hall of fame is is just idiotic to me um in 1964 which was the year i was born Jim Marshall was famous for recovering a fumble, but unfortunately he ran 66 yards in the wrong direction. But he's also famous for playing in 282 NFL football games, 130 sacks, two-time Pro Bowler, number 70. I remember big number 70. Four Super Bowls. Yep. Owning the line of scrimmage, a bad man, and that makes Jim Marshall one tough son of a... And this week, you're doing what we're watching. Wow. You're going to let me do it? Yes, I am. You're so nice. Well, 
let's stay on the sports thing theme and uh I know we have a bunch of tennis fans out there, if not pickleball fans. <laughs> now, it seems like it was only a year ago. Man, time flies, doesn't it? When we watched the U.S. Open. Now, this year, the 2023 version, ESPN, they did a great job of covering the matches. And, you know, it's the end of the summer, so there's really no competition for tennis. You got boring-ass baseball and the soon-to-be-dissolved NASCAR. Plus, you have all of New York media watching every single... We're in Flushing Meadows. Yes, and, you know, all the local stars and stuff are never been, Never been hitting it going. The facility looks awesome. I need me a honey deuce. Just buy a day pass and float around and check out the matches. I kind of want to go. It's on the bucket list. Maybe not, but it's close. So... We're watching the first and second round matches, and there seems to be this theme. Drama. Okay. Drama. Are we watching the real Housewives of New York or is the fucking the tennis ones matches? of Flushing Meadows. Anyway. We, got, we got Coco Golf, who actually won the women's championship. Big props to the Coco from the U.S., who everybody wanted to win because, I don't know, Sloane Stevens and some of the other ones, Madison Keys, who I was rooting for, they, she got pretty far, but they, they usually go out there and blow it. Now, Coco's playing this German lady, and she's like slow rolling the serve shot clock, which I didn't even know there was a shot clock for, for the server. And this chick is waiting till the last effing second every time to serve the ball. And now Coco's getting pissed. Then she goes and takes a pee break. Well, both of them did. Coco comes back on the court. The German lady takes forever. Okay, I don't know if she was back there dropping a deuce or what, but she's taking forever, comes out with a new outfit on, and and still played the stall game. So Coco had finally had enough of it, lost it, went to the chair umpire and said, you know, what the is going on anyway coco ended up winning piecing out also seemed to be the theme of the opening rounds big matches on prime time on ash by the way on ash <laughs> if i heard on ash one more time <laughs> okay it, there was cramping there was now it was 112 degrees out I mean, there it was did, brutal did they man. say on lewis too on armstrong armstrong sorry yes. Anyway, it, it was just, you know, the European players, they did not look too happy in that heat and humidity. Now, welcome to global like, warming. You've got this big match for the night. They've been hyping up. It's 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. And dude plays like a set and then we go, hey, I'm done. I'm fine. My big toe hurts. Just peaced out. It, it was happening over and over again. Now, let's get back to the Arthur Ashe Court. Or as I said, on Ashe. Stadium. Okay. Now, for you non-tennis aficionados, check this out. They call it Ash. Okay. If I heard it one more fucking time, okay. After a player wins, the interview, the interviewer goes out there and asks him, how does it feel to play on Ash? Okay. 
I and didn't see any ashes out there. It looked like a court. We're big fans of Author Ash. Right. He's the only guy left on Monument Avenue there in Richmond. So Look, Tennis, we're trying to get regular Joe to watch this freaking thing. Quit being so pretentious, right? Right. I mean... On Ash. It's like you're in a special club, you know? If, FYI, if I, he's on Ash. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fucking, come on, man. By the way, we have an Arthur Ashe statue, right? And right. a street named after him like 25 minutes yes. from here. No slant on the man, but damn, take your ash and just stick it. All right, let's get back to the tennis. We got Venus Williams got out there. Okay. For some reason, I don't know, she just got out there. Venus stood flat-footed and got rolled one and one. I don't know why. The outfit was bad. The effort was bad. I don't know. Maybe Serena will give it a go next year. I don't know. So we finally got to see a match where somebody was having fun. Looks, looks like, you know, they can play. We're having good. It's the Alcatraz. Alcaraz? Uh-huh. How do you say his name? Alcaraz. Who everybody wants to see play. And Djokovic was playing some dude named Lloyd Harris. Tall, stoner-looking dude. Lloyd, American guy, knew he was going to get his ass beat by Djokovic, which everybody knows they're going to get their ass beat. But he tried. He lost the first two sets. Third set, he had a chance. He just wanted to win one set. <laughs> Say one, but anyway, it was fun. Th- that round with the, with Alcaraz and Lloyd and Djokovic actually had a little fun watching some of the tennis. Now, just like last year, we keep complaining. I keep complaining about the players' box. Okay, man, get rid of this shit. Each player has like three or four rows or a little box there off the court, filled with the family, the girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever the coach. And, and the player is out there fucking up and keeps looking over at their box and like whining about, you know, why they're fucking up and the coach is giving them words of encouragement. Be aggressive. Fight for every point. It's so fucking annoying and unnecessary. Evidently, the rules have changed because before, there was, I thought there was no coaching. Well, now just- it looks like you can. It's just there to add to the drama. I mean, you're exactly see them covering right. up their face or doing a fist pump or, you know, cheering know. them on. Just it's just there for the drama. It's so fucking annoying, and especially it, if he has like a good girlfriend. They especially now if they it. have a hot girlfriend, they keep showing that. But <laughs> tennis, it is an individual sport, right? Right. So just work it out yourself, bro. Their it's, team. I don't get it. I'm sure we mentioned this last year, too. The freaking fist pumping over and over after winning a point. I mean, this shit, this self-glossing has got to fucking stop. I will take that over the yelling over every shot. Well, that's kind of calmed down. I I don't know if they didn't stop it or rule it out. Some of that's kind of gone away. That is bad. I don't know. Like I said, these people have been playing tennis since they were five years old. You know, why disrespect your opponent and, and look like an ass and do the the freaking fist pump to the crowd every time you hit a winner or win the point? I don't get it. 
Now, lastly, ESPN, they've been firing people left and right. Well, let's say Disney, I guess. Here's one I want you to go after is Chris Everett. Oh, okay, we, I've had enough of her. This has got to be her last year. It keep, get, keeps getting uglier and uglier. And I love the lady. I appreciate, I'm sure she's worried about what I think about her. I, I, I appreciate everything every she's done for the game of tennis. I'm not kidding. But they need to interject some young blood into this commentating. Am I wrong? You, they need I to totally get agree. somebody in there that was born before, after freaking, I don't know, 1990. John McEnroe. God. Lucky for us, he peaced out because he tested for the coronavirus. Now, he did show up, I think, the last week or half week or something. And it's just, he, he's so snarly and he just, like, dude, go was away. on a blog or something, was telling every single his opinion on every single game. And I'm like, please, child, get know. out of here. Anyway, come on, tennis. Let, let's go younger and uh, do a little better job. All right, let's roll right into that shot of the week. It's already here. Ooh, this one's called the alligator tail shot. And this, oh, we're shaking it up. This one is a layered one. Yes, which Kat cannot do. You are bad on the layering. Any bartenders in the RVA area want to give me some lessons? You got to pour it over a spoon. I did. It still looks the same. All right, let's look. The alligator tail shot. <clears throat> Had to belch. Lovely. Pour grenadine a third of the way up the shot glass. Then very slowly pour Midori mm-hmm. over the back of a spoon. Did that. Then layer Jägermeister. This thing's got Jäger in it. Yes. On top of that. And bam, you have the alligator tail. We got grenadine, Midori, <laughs> and Jäger. Okay. What a combo. Cats made us a couple. It looks kind of blurry to me. All right, I'm already scared. It, I might be blurry afterwards. Let's try it. It doesn't doesn't look too bad. Uh, cough medicine. Ooh. Oh, God. <sighs> That's a fuck no. There you go. Oh, like you want to <sighs> hand more to me? All right. Thank you. I want to say thank you, Cat, but yeah. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I would say give the alligator tail a try, but it does take like it tastes like Robitussin, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Damn. All right, let's get on with band of the week. Woo! Love this band. The Plimsolls, formed in 1978 from Paramount, California. California. Peter Case, Dave Pahoa, and Lou Ramirez. You know, the Plimsolls, they, they did it right. They grinded it out, the L.A. club scene right. back in the day. Um, you had to earn it back then, right? You didn't just pop up something on YouTube. This summer when I was really, really bored, I rewatched one of my favorite movies, Valley Girl from 1983. And in the club scenes where Nick Cage is there trying to impress the girl with the L.A. club scene, um, they're the Plimsolls. Singing many, you know, our what song movie? today, the Valley Girl. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it's great, and it's the and I went in a deeper dive, and where the Viper Club is now is where this club is. Oh okay. So wow. it has some history, and it's cool. You went, you the guys are you know obviously enjoying being in the movie, and 
they're I think they get to do two or three songs. Mm-hmm. The Plim Souls put out an album in 1983 called Everywhere at Once. I still have it on vinyl in the man cave. Of course, the song that we put that put them on the map was A Million Miles Away. Which is in Valley Girl. But the whole album is good. Oldest Story in the World is a great song. Live, Bag, Bar, and Steel, Inch by Inch, Everywhere at Once. All great songs. Um, Peter Case is a great songwriter singer performer he's done some really good solo stuff um the plim souls good or bad they, they are didn't last long they, grew, no. they broke up in 84 right yeah like I said they were associated with the valley girls movie we might let that go uh hello <laughs> it's a great piece of art history there. for us all <laughs> well, right here's this great soundtrack if nothing else yes check out the plim souls wherever you get your music We want to thank everybody for hanging out on the back porch, and we will see y'all down the road. See ya.